Welcome to KC Corner, episode 130. 130, Brooksy oh, yeah. boy. And wow. It's, it's the end of October. The weather's changing. The fall, the leaves are falling off the trees. <laughs> you know, everything everything in a Florida fall. Well, what I love is when you get up in the morning, it definitely is cooler, mm-hmm. which is so oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, a, I got a hoodie on right now. By the by, the afternoon, it'll be like 85. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You'll think, what do I wake up and put a hoodie on for? And but, there's one other special thing that this time of year has. What's that? Sports equinox. Oh my gosh! It's All so four good. major sports going I mean, on at the same are, time. The only time on. of year we got it we got beautiful. NFL, NBA, and NHL just started. I know we're a hockey podcast here, and then we have MLB playoffs, the World Series. Is oh, All it's four hard to major beat, sports. brother. Best time of year. Best time of year. I love it. And you know, right around the corner is Thanksgiving, and yes. then Christmas. Come on! Oh my goodness! It's October, so November, December—just three great months. So good. You know, Brooks. Yesterday, I was out walking early in the morning, which I want to get on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. So I was out yeah. walking. No, no big in the morning. deal. No big and deal. It was one of those beautiful mornings, and you could still see the stars. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it hadn't uh, dawn hadn't broken yet, so they weren't there. And I saw a shooting star. I mean, and it was, <laughs> it was like the all the stars were fading. They weren't very bright. It's not like the midnight black sky where everything is just so bright. It was more like the the uh, light is coming, so they're starting mm-hmm. to fade. And all of a sudden, shooting across the sky was a pretty amazing i mean i've seen shooting stars a lot where uh, my folks cottage in Mm -hmm. upstate new york where there's just no light around it's just so dark but man i'm telling you what it does to see the beauty of god's creation and to see something like a shooting star reminds me of psalm 8 oh lord oh lord how majestic is your name in all the earth Mm -hmm. and when i consider the, the the stars the moon the work of your fingers who are we that you care about us and love us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great time of year. Great to wake up and you go on a walk. And then, then all of a sudden, a shooting star. You're like, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> you think that's like a midnight thing. But to see it at exactly. 6, 6.30, 7 a.m., that's nice. You know, and I was Great always, way to start the day. It's a fantastic way. But you always wonder, did, did I see that? Is there anybody else? I mean, did anybody else? <laughs> I literally wanted, things? Yeah, is exactly. Is that a floater? <laughs> is that a floater? I wanted to say to people walking, did you see the star? You know, you know. But anyway, I guess, did you see a star? That could be a good lean to Christmas yes, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, let's jump in. Yeah, well, we're wrapping up uh, our, our series on culture wars. We ended up doing two full months on it. Yeah. Obviously a big topic of discussion and had a, a bunch of fun interviews that we had over the past seven or eight weeks. Well, and as we wrap it up, it there has been some great interviews. Boy, I'm excited what KC Corner has been able to do. But again, it's not like, hey, the, the war's over and uh, you know we're moving on to the next topic. I mm-hmm. mean, this is something that we'll be facing in our lifetime and as our culture is shifting and the gospel is advancing, um, that war will continue to take place. But we know who wins, mm-hmm. which is great. I, I know we wanted to hit on each of our kind of interviews going back all the way to David Outing, which kicked off the series of culture wars. Loved it. Loved being in his house. And, you know, for me, David, he's such an amazing brother, such an amazing friend. But one of the things I love is how he uses the gifts that God has given him to be a blessing to our community in, in a roundabout way. What I mean by that, Brooks, is like his his business, the Corporate Care Partnerships, um, I think I pronounced it right, mm-hmm. is where he comes in and he provides uh, for businesses chaplains, you know, uh, someone to come in and just care for people. And what a, what a great way to infiltrate the culture. You know, what a great way. Here you are in a business environment, you know, you're you're coming alongside them. Um, you, you, you know, people maybe won't go to a church or won't go to uh, uh, something that feels religious, but all of a sudden you're showing up at work and someone's there that cares for you and is asking about you 
what a what a what a great it's almost like the front lines it's mm-hmm. almost like the spies yep. i mean that's probably the wrong analogy but you know infiltrating uh the enemy line so to speak is uh, roll the Trojan horse in uh, mm-hmm. as corporate care. And you gotta, you gotta meet them where they are. Exactly. Because if they're feeling down, probably don't necessarily want to go to church and feel even more judged or feel like they don't belong or anything like that. Meeting right. them where they are in a common place in their workplace is a great way to do that. Well, a great way. And how? And hats off to any of the leaders, the owners of those businesses, who had the courage to do it. Because I mean, you're right there. You're investing money. Uh, into something that you know your return on investment isn't a typical return on investment but Mm -hmm. what a you know again i just want to say i applaud so much those businesses who Mm -hmm. invest in their employees in a spiritual sense too which is great and then with david you know he told us about the orlando lions that that football program and actually it's a sports program and uh you know again here's something that our society is passionate about youth sports and i know it's a big part of your life was a big part of my life uh, even if you look at like your dad and my dad's experience in youth sports compared to yours, I mean, it seems like it's on steroids. If I oh, can yeah. use that word, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they and, have club and travel baseball everywhere. now, like eight unders, uh, seven years old, yeah. crazy. Yeah, they're drafting people out of the womb. I mean, it's it's nuts. <laughs> well, um, but you know, here here you take youth sports, where you know, sadly, we hear the news all the time about you know fights in the stands and and you know coaches duking it out. And the whole premise with this is, how do we bless our community? I mean, he talked about baptizing some of the players and, you know, making sure that they're good citizens. And, uh, you know, so fighting a culture war on the gridiron mm-hmm. and, and doing it um, with something the culture loves. I mean, what what a, what a great thing. And I hope down the road, maybe King's Chapel, if the Lord chooses to bless us with property someday, you know, looking at something like, hey, can we take a field athletic field and mm-hmm. kind of convert it into winning our neighborhood mm-hmm. that would be so cool absolutely get a good baseball team out there <laughs> <laughs> i love it which is awesome and then our second guest was dr richard pratt went and visited him at his uh building at third mill ministries which was w- wonderful as always and you know I-, I love interviews with richard pratt or conversations with richard pratt because you don't know brooks where it's going to go well you, you know? we went in with a plan and he just he oh, didn't yeah, he care obliterated about the plan. It. you know <laughs> he's like here and i think what we landed is like hey we went in with maybe like should the church play offense or defense in the midst of these uh culture wars and he threw us a third way didn't he mm-hmm. yeah he said take a month and repent and because you don't want to go run a marathon without training at all you don't want to go play football without having picked up a football or lifted weights the whole off season so kind of treating that month as a spring training to get ready for battle whether it is offense or defense or whatever we choose which is so good i mean it's kind of let, let's start with examining ourselves being still and uh you know, making sure we're hearing and running in the right direction because the worst thing we could do is start running and realize, uh oh, I'm running the wrong race mm-hmm. or I, I don't have the right attire. You know, you know, you put on uh, boots and you're out running in a marathon, that won't work very well. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was a great interview and happy that we were able to go talk to him. In that. Yeah. I appreciated his time again, which was great. So then another great one was uh, with David Swanson, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, pastor of the historic church of First Pres downtown Orlando. And as you and I noticed just walking into that church, how different that church yeah. felt, you know, with some people experiencing homelessness around and, and the signs to help people that are just walking. It's gated by. up and everything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We had a security guard letting us in, you know, so which was incredible. But 
really appreciated David's time as well. And one of the things I think that he does so well is befriends the community. And uh, I love that story he talked about of being invited uh, to march in the Black Lives Matters and, Mm -hmm. you know, even the heat he would take. Hey, I don't, uh, there's a distinction between that, what was happening in the, in the Black Lives Matter Inc. and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how to do that. And he, you know, he talks about, hey, we were in the center of the city to love the city and to love truth. And that's a hard thing to do. How do you both love the city in the midst of culture war and love truth? Mm -hmm. Usually you compromise one or the other. And I thought it was really interesting, Brooks. One of the things he said was, we're not trying to be, and I don't remember the exact words. I'm going to use the word a a destination church or a place of just, hey, come because we're slick and, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the place you want to be. It really seemed to become more of a a training ground. You know, we got to, we got to be equipping our people as we say at King's Chapel, we got to be equipping those among us to reach those around us. And I, I love the strategy that he had that four points. Remember mm-hmm. he had a hard time with one of yes. them, but, uh, and I thought about that a lot, Brooks. I mean, I really have, I I've thought, you know, what's the next layer for King's Chapel? I mean, let me give you an example. You know, I, I've, I've said, we got to reach those around us. And you know, what you start, when you marinate in that, you realize, you can't reach those you don't connect with. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do we connect? Well, we know we're going to try to do something silly. And maybe silly is the wrong word. We're trying to do uh, something this weekend to connect. It's a fall festival, you Mm -hmm. know. But how do we really connect with our community? And then the question is, how do we serve our community? And I love the fact that we have, and we're going to hopefully in the coming weeks be interviewing folks like this. When we partner with the Sharing Center, you mean that's a great way to serve our community. But you look at that, and they, those are some real needs in our community. But those, those are almost uh, uh, it's 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 those in the community that are on the fringe. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean it's not like they're right in our neighborhood. They're mm-hmm. they're they've experienced uh, homelessness or some situation that's led them to the fringe of society. Yeah, we got to serve them. But how do we serve like those around the church? Mm-hmm. I mean. And I don't know the answer to that yet, but I think if we could connect with them, if we could serve with them, and then I, I, I'm thinking about the thought of, hey, how do we instruct them? And even the word instruct them, is that the right word? Do we want to, we're instructing you come because mm-hmm. we're so smart. So here we had David Swanson uh, who would say, hey, we want to love the city, but we also want to love truth. And, and he had some really nice that he preached through, here are the things we're trying to do, even like, hey, this is something you're trying to do in the environment of your your neighborhood, your workspace, your church. I mean, how do you do that? So I thought it was interesting what he said was he did, they don't have work days, kind of like what we have coming up. It's kind of, that's expected if you're a part of his church. And that's what they preach every Sunday to reach out to your community and help in whatever ways. He, he mentioned having the youth sports programs or helping with homelessness or whatever you're called to do. That's right. what's kind of expected of you. And that's what he preaches every Sunday. What I love is that a lot of those ideas come from, it's a decentralized approach. It mm-hmm. comes from the congregation. And I've always felt that as a pastor. If someone out there in Casey Cornerland or in the church who just is like, man, I got a passion for this. If the church can rally around that passion and help bless that, because oftentimes it's the church who says, we got to go do this. And mm-hmm. then it's hit or miss. Does that yep. does that hit a chord with people or not? You know, And uh, yeah, I, I love that. And I love the thought, as you said, um, it's not like, hey, we have serve day where everybody gets the T-shirt and we check the box. It's got to be 
a more part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good, Absolutely. Yeah. And then we wrapped up uh, with your son-in-law, Todd Fleming, last week. Todd Fleming. Yeah, he did such a great job. And to me, Brooks, one of the things about Todd's interview that was you know so telling was the contrast between the, the world. Talk about culture wars. You know, the growing up in a culture that was just steeped in Christian mm-hmm. teaching and tradition and values and being thrown into a world where uh, those values are not only not held to, but mm-hmm. they're often ridiculed. And uh, um, I thought it was interesting that God kind of gave him a runway uh, when he was when going to UNC Asheville before he went to Duke Med School. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little month of repentance, like <laughs> Exactly, a little, get him in there. Yeah, yeah and, a little uh, spring training. A little spring training to go to the big world of the Duke uh, Blue Devils and, mm-hmm. and go to med school there. But, you know, what a contrast, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. I know he talked about how it's not, he wasn't choosing to be a doctor for the money. It was, he wanted to learn a trade. And he's always talked about that of like learning a trade to help people and how he referenced that going blind is second only behind death of what people are afraid of uh, health wise and how he wanted to become a doctor and help people see again if they have injuries or uh, anything that goes wrong with their eyesight. You know, and I got to confess, Brooks, when people say things like their doctor is, hey, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm always skeptical. I'm Mm -hmm. always like, whatever, you know, know? (laughs) let me see the car you drive. Let me, let me see. uh, And again, Todd and Jesse, they're in residency right now. So they are not making much money. (laughs) They, they are getting killed. But I know this about Todd because I've known him before he was a doctor and it's never been about money for Todd. Mm-hmm. It's never been about, that's not been his goal and his ambition. It truly has been, you know. When I sat on the back porch talking to him about what do you want to do? I mean, he thought of everything from being an EMT. I mean, how, how do you help people? You mm-hmm. know, how, how, do you, how do you be a blessing? So that was, that was great. And, you know, really interesting to see him try to live out his faith in that world. It's... Uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, which is great. And, you know, you think about that. You know, Brooks, you sent me an article this week uh, by Tim Keller. Uh, really, and, and uh, is there a title of the article, by the way? I don't yeah, have it on Deconstructing here. Deconstructing Faith, I think is what the title was. You know, and that, that has such a, that's a, such a volatile term right now, deconstructing mm-hmm. faith. Most of the times you hear that, it's negative. Like, you know, hey, we're going to go in a liberal direction and we're going to deconstruct what it is we believe and and where we end up is going to be someplace we don't recognize and Mm -hmm. uh, that's scary but i thought it was an interesting article uh where you know there are those who maybe grew up in that sheltered environment like todd who all of a sudden go to new york city and they're in a completely different environment and many are walking away from what they thought they believed or or ending up uh, with values or positions that they didn't used to believe. But here you got a guy like Todd, who the article referenced Francis Schaeffer, which Mm -hmm. when he spent some time in Europe before Labrie, he was really challenged. He almost went through this agnostic, atheist, you know, know, do I believe this? Mm -hmm. But where he landed was bearing much more fruit. Mm -hmm. And And I think that for us as Christians... You know, I thought about that this morning waking up. I thought, you know, if if, if faith is being deconstructed, if it's true faith, the, like the faith of the seed that Jesus talked about, he talked about some falls along the the, the, the hard stony path. I mean, the uh, uh, some will fall among the weeds and some will, will fall among the thorns. Um, and they sometimes they spring up quickly, they fall away, but some falls on good soil and it produces fruit. And the point of that, Brooks, is, 
there's going to be people that look like they're Christians. And, you know, so if a faith, if a faith is being deconstructed and walks away, leaving the faith, my theology and my understanding of God's word is that wasn't a true faith because somebody who the Holy Spirit has come in and given life to is not leaving. And, mm-hmm. and there might be seasons of, you know, uh, coldness. There might be seasons of, you know, maybe unconfessed sin that really I talked about on Sunday, your communion with God is interrupted. But I, I believe scripture is too clear about our union with God that if you're a true believer, you're going to you're going to you're going to get in. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, God's grace through faith in Christ is going to be enough. And none of us sees the picture perfectly. We all we all have to grow in our sanctification process. We all have to grow in our understanding of, of what um, the gospel really means and how it bears fruit. But yeah, interesting article. And I'll con- I'll correct myself as reconstructing faith, which makes more sense for the title of yeah, the article. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it talked about deconstructing, of breaking it down to the foundation and what Schaefer said of he had to go all the way back to agnosticism to right. go, all the, go all the way back to the foundation to rebuild his faith and um, what he believed growing up um, to get to that point. And Keller talked about how buildings, they reconstruct those where they, they talked about his apartment complex yeah, where they took windows. out all the windows and yeah. walls. And like you look in there and you're like, wow, this place stinks. Yeah. But the foundation and everything is still there. And then he came back. They had brand new windows, brand new walls, and the building is beautiful. Yeah, and that's and, and thinking about that of your faith of reconstructing it. Well, I don't know, Brooks, if you, you know, you're 26. Is mm-hmm. that right? If uh, you've had the privilege, I'm 30 years older than you, about ready to turn 31 more. I'm 56. So. <laughs> Uh, have a chance to reconstruct your faith. But I, I know I have. I know that there's been events in my life, uh, trials that really have, have as a young man, uh, I, I remember I, I went 1,200 miles away from home when I went to uh, college. Hey, is this my faith or is this my parents' faith? It was a reconstructing of faith. I think mm-hmm. I had real faith. And then there was the whole time, to be honest, with when I started studying Reformed Theology. You know, it was it was different. It was mm-hmm. reconstructing my faith. It was uh, it was if you looked at it, there, there, there'd be a, a lot of construction tape around it. You know, <laughs> and uh, and I think for a while uh, it was almost dangerous because I was to uh, at certain points of in that reconstruction where you start to understand certain things, but you don't have the wisdom, um, the nuance to kind of be able to live those new things out. For example, like predestination, which, you know, is such a hot topic. You know, when when I got eyes to see that that, that salvation's of the Lord from start to finish, when that God is sovereign over all things, including salvation, when I understood that man, according to scripture, sin has truly, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We are, we need a new nature before we can be born again. We got to be made new. And then uh, starting to understand that and and before the beauty of the grace of that bloomed um there's a rough edge and Mm -hmm. you know i remember taking that rough edge and and going to my mom who loved jesus more than anybody and forcing her to read some verses that was reconstructing her faith in in an unkind way Mm -hmm. in in an untiming way and all of a sudden you know i got tears on my mom's cheeks because she's like i don't want to know that guy you know and it's it's a it's a passage out of Romans nine, which is hard. I mean, Jacob, I loved Esau. I hated. And, uh, and, uh, I just didn't have the wisdom and the, and the growth to, uh, really deal with that. So here my, my faith was, and maybe it's not probably here for this is it's better to say my theology was being reconstructed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was under some serious 
not just taking out windows, but it was, you know, the foundation of Christ was there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was being built more on a Christocentric foundation than it was anything else. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I, I kind of went into that deep. I hope that's all right. And Tim Keller kind of talked about the reconstructing is a good thing. And we have ample opportunities right now. And we talked about it for two months with culture wars. But this quote uh, is, I believe that today more Christians than ever will be going through the process of rethinking their faith. One of the main reasons is that through media and the internet, there are no longer any sheltered enclaves where people can grow up taking the Christian faith for granted, believing it because everyone else they know believes it. But the key to assuring that this is rethinking will result in strengthened faith rather than lost faith is that we must learn not only to closely examine the foundations of our Christianity, but also to just as closely examine the cultural narratives that present themselves as the alternatives to Christian faith. For example, many deconstructed ex-Christians testify that Christianity did not let them be be true to themselves. But as they go on to explain their new life without religious faith, it is obvious that while they have questioned their Christian beliefs, they have not at all questioned their new beliefs. And so one set of naive, unexamined beliefs has jettisoned for another set just as unconsidered. Typical Keller, that's so good. You know, you flip from one side to the other, and that's uh, that's so good. And it you know makes me think It's like a grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. It's like, oh, these new beliefs, these will make yeah. me be true to myself. Yeah. And, you know, it really makes me think of story. And so it makes me think of uh, God's story, Christian worldview. We've talked about that, Brooks. You know, I preached on that, and, and we are family. And I'm, I'm reading a, a, a book by John Eldridge called Resilient. Uh, it was recommended to me by one of our missionaries, Derek Ebers. And um, I, I love the way he was describing things uh, in this uh, book. I thought, i got to get my hands on it. But one of the things I hit yesterday that was so good Brooks, it talks about story and it talks about the context of story of how we are living our lives. Everybody wants to live their life according to some story. Now, before you get into the quote, let me tell you, it's interesting. I can't stand Halloween. I hate the holiday, but <laughs> but it's interesting how people love to live a story out. I mean, my neighbor's got tombstones in his yard, you know, <laughs> wants to live some kind of story of death and dying that his kids will have celebrating. Isn't this great? And, you know, mm-hmm. you walk the streets and, you know, down the street, there's one house that has these huge lit spiders. Uh, I mean, they, they went to a lot of work uh, to uh, to make their house look haunted mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, interesting. You know, you want to live your life in the midst of that story, you know? And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the power of... That's why we love movies. That's why we love TV shows. I mean, God has created us for story. And what story are we living out of? And, and this is what Eldridge says. He says, story is the way we orient ourselves in the world. It really is. Story is how we figure things out, bring order and meaning to the events around us. The story we hold on to at any given time shapes our perceptions, hopes, and expectations. It gives us a place to stand. In this mad hour on the earth, what story are you telling yourself or letting others tell you? I love that. As times are going on, and it's easy in this mad time in the world, it's easy to get lost and to be so fearful. But what is the story? And, and he asked this question, is it a political narrative? We just need to get the right people in power. And I'm telling you right now in this season, we see a lot of people believe it is a political uh, power that we really need more than anything. Is it a social narrative? The issue is injustice. We just need justice. Is it about the economy? A new era of prosperity is coming. Most importantly, is it the story God is telling? We are living in a story, friends, a story written and being unfolded by the hand of God. Despite what the world is shouting at you, 
The story of God is still the story of the world. This is the hardest thing to hang on to, the most important thing to hang on to. The story of God is still the story of the world. And I, that just was a great reminder to me and brought me a lot of peace. And even as we think about, hey, does the church play offense or defense in this, in this uh, culture war? Let me not focus so much on the culture war because that's just the battle within the greater story. Mm-hmm. And the greater story is God wins. And the story has a point, and we're moving toward the final chapter. And he told us enough about the final chapter to know that it's going to end well with us. Yes, there's going to be a lot of tribulations. There'll be wars and rumors of war, Scripture says. So we're in the midst of a culture war. Listen, Jesus said, you're going to have wars and rumors of wars. This is, this is the context in which you're to live out your faith. But don't focus so much on that war. Focus on the bigger story. Where does that war fit in? to the biblical story? Where does our lives fit in the biblical story? And then that will certainly bring his perspective and peace. Mm-hmm. That's important to remember that it's all part of the same story. That's yeah. a, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's just, and you know what? And, and Jesus isn't up in heaven wringing his hands thinking, uh-oh, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, what do we do now? You know, there's not like a DEFCON 4 or 5 mm-hmm. up there in heaven thinking, uh-oh, we're in trouble. You yeah. know, what do we do? Plan B. Um, yeah, never happened. Yeah, so. one, one of my favorite artists, Sturgill Simpson, uh, he, he has some eclectic thoughts, and one of his lyrics talks about, like, the old man in the sky staring down on the chaos he created. It's it's not like that at all. No, it's, it's, it's not like that. The chaos he created. It's really interesting you say that because that word chaos is in the original uh, Genesis. You know, the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the chaos. He was bringing order to the chaos. I mean, it was... Uh, not the create, not the order. It's sin brought the chaos. Mm-hmm. God dispels the chaos in His Son. Yeah, that's Sturgill. Come on, man. Um, he's, <laughs> Expect he's better big, out of you. I agree. He's a big country dude, right? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, exactly. There's there's another guy who I'm listening to lately. Who who's like Sturgill? Uh, Tyler Childers. No, it's uh, maybe it is Sturgill. Who who's the guy that sings Nashville? I'm not sure. All right. I'm sorry. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> That's the music part of our podcast. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we digress. So anyway. All right. Do we want to quickly get into uh, uh, what you meant to say this past Sunday with David? Yeah. You know, we talked about uh, David and Bathsheba and, you know, one of the most uh, famous stories in the Bible. And there were two things that I really wanted to say that I, I, I really wanted to say. Chris Stapleton, by the way. Was, Chris Stapleton. Was, okay. Was gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and one was... Hey, if King David could do this, and he's a man after God's own heart, we got to keep our guard up because, mm-hmm. wow, well, what, what are we capable? Well, look what sin, look at the fruit that sin born in David's life. And it is, it is awful. Um, and, you know, just kind of the contrast of here's a man after God's own heart, and yet here he is giving Uriah the Hittite, trying to make him drunk to go, you know, spend some time with his wife so he's off the hook. And then giving him, putting in his own hand, a death letter of just, mm-hmm. I mean, just the brazen audacity. I mean, just the coldness. The, uh, it's just so sad. So, hey, if King David can do that, don't ever think that we're not susceptible to evil in an amazing way. But by the grace of God, there go I. That's one. Two, Brooks, was the biggest thing is, if you remember, I talked about, hey, does this sermon pass the synagogue test? Mm-hmm. And the synagogue test is... I could talk a lot about the story and I could talk a lot about the context and you could do it in a pretty nice biblical narrative way. But if you miss Jesus, you're not really preaching a sermon. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so 
how does the gospel, how does Christ shine light into this story? And more than just like, we need a king greater than David, but David tried to cover his own tracks in sin and it just got worse. But Jesus would come to truly cover our sins, to mm -hmm. truly forgive our sins, to truly pay the debt for our sins. And what an amazing Messiah we have. And so, you know, I, I think on Sunday, and as I was preparing, I want to make sure that I wasn't just going to give a moral message of, hey, quit blowing through the red lights that God has given you. You know, don't do this uh, adultery and murder bad. <laughs> Hello. Um, but see the beauty of Christ in this too. When you said synagogue, it reminded me of Bible reading that was a few days ago. It, it talked about Jesus. He was sitting in the synagogues and it's really funny. He's like, he knows that the Pharisees are talking about him. He knows yeah. that they're like going to question him and see what they're going to say. So he's just sitting there and he goes, so what do you guys think about the Sabbath? Yeah. And it's just a funny picture. And then he, and they kind of say whatever. And he goes, if you had 99 sheep, but one of them got lost, would you not go find it? Even if it was on the Sabbath and how it's, it's not just like keeping the Sabbath holy and, and kind of following that rule. It's the reason behind it. Yeah. Um, and, and I just thought that was a funny picture. It doesn't necessarily portray to this, <laughs> no. um, but how he's just like sitting there knowing that he's going to be questioned and just brings up like, so what do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> knowing that if he's going to heal somebody, they're going to say, he's wrong for mm -hmm. breaking the sabbath mm -hmm. and you know so what was the sabbath for and he'll say by the way i'm the lord of the sabbath yeah <laughs> it's 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 such a great stuff you know and i love the way jesus i know we're down in its rabbit hole but how he <laughs> got us off topic well it's i love it it's how he typically takes a question and answers with a question mm -hmm. well let me ask you this mm -hmm. you know so one of the ones where the Pharisees say, hey, he's going, he's turning things over in the temple. Who gave you this authority? Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what about John the Baptist? Was he from God or was he from man? They're like, oh, crud. If we say, God, why didn't you follow him? We say, man, they're going to stone us. So uh, they loved him. So yeah, he was brilliant. And uh, thank God he was he healed on the Sabbath. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, what do we have to, what do you hope to say this coming Sunday? Well, this will be the, uh, the flip side of the story of... Uh, the sin with Bathsheba to the forgiveness. And uh, David doesn't immediately repent. Um, it takes a friend who says to him, hey, by the way, tells him a story and then points his finger saying, by the way, the story's you. And mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell the story on Sunday. But it's it's. Uh, I want to really focus in on um, what does David do when um, he's repenting? Where is God in the story? He's actually goes into the temple and prays and... Uh, um, and then we'll look at also, this is going to be in 1 Samuel 12, but you know, you can't, let me, let me encourage folks, for the, you good Bereans out there, not only read 1 Corinthians 12, but look at Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Those are two, those are two examples of David repenting. And, you know, look at how he repents and how he's crying out. It's, it's pretty amazing. The Bible talks about, Brooks, a repentance that leads to life. Mm -hmm. It talks about a worldly repentance, and it talks about a godly sorrow repentance. And, you know, most people understand being sorry for their sins because they're caught. Mm -hmm. The consequences, I feel bad, the loss of a good name, whatever. But, you know, a true godly sorrow laments that what we have done in a holy God's eyes mm -hmm. and what we've done that would lead to the piercing of our savior on a cross um, and truly grieve and weep over our sin. Um, I don't think there's enough of it. There's not enough of it in my life. Uh, I think that we, that we see sin too flippantly, God's mm -hmm. holiness too flippantly. Um, 
But we'll see in David, the Holy Spirit, he pleads with him, you know, don't be removed from me. Don't take away the Holy Spirit. Create in me a whole new clean heart. So, mm -hmm. good stuff. When you're called to be perfect, you realize how perfect perfect is and how broken we are, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it is so true, Brooksy. Any KC updates before we get out of here? A huge one. I mean, I think, uh, hey, this weekend uh, we're going to have our, our one of our biggest uh, trying to reach the, the uh, those around us with our fall festival. So that's uh, four to six uh, mm -hmm. Sunday. It's an all hands on deck uh, for the King's Chapel family. There's a part you can play to help serve, set up, tear down. We need trunks for trunk or treat still. You know, you can make a cake and help us with our ba our cakewalk or buy one at Costco. Um, you know, there, there's ways that, and, and if nothing else, if those of you who aren't in our community, please pray that God would shine favor on our community with this event, that our community would feel that they're cared for, uh, even as we try to care for their children in a fall festival. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, that's a big thing coming up this Sunday. I think we can just leave it at that one. Mm -hmm. So Perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that sounds good. We'll see you guys Sunday and see you at the Fall Fest. Sounds good, Brooks. Yahoo.